0: It's great to be back with you again this week. Even better to be conducting this episode without Brennan. We have three-year Stock our Take segments kicking off with Aaron's answering a viewer question on Bird Construction, Inc., symbol BDT, a Canadian construction company operating from coast to coast and servicing all of Canadians' major markets. Uh Q3, growth appeared to be strong on both an organic and acquisition basis, and the viewer asks us if this bird is about to fly. I will answer a viewer question on Real Matters, Inc., symbol Real, R-E-A-L on the TSX, which provides network management solutions to North American lenders and insurers. Its platform leverages independent field agents to deliver appraisals and title and closing services. The stock... While flat on the year is down over 80% from its pandemic highs, the viewer asks if we believe it has hit a bottom. And bringing up the rear is Brett. He answers a viewer question on Goodfellow Inc. Symbol GDI on the TSX, a diversified manufacturer of value-added lumber products, as well as wholesale distributor of building products and floor coverings. The stock is up 9% year-to-date. And at $7.15, with a market cap of $121 million, it pays a strong dividend yield of 7%. Brett will let you know if this historically cyclical business offers value in its current range. All right, let's get to the show. I'm going to welcome my co-host, Mr. Aaron Dunn, and one part of the killer bees, Brett. Brennan, of course. He is on a travel day today, and as he returns from watching football, hockey, and his friends making fools of themselves in front of thousands of women, undoubtedly in Vegas, we'll get an update directly from their young man on his endeavors down there over next week, but uh, we look forward to that. Do you guys think he's still alive? We got one picture from him. We've seen one picture. That's all we've seen. Do you think he's still, is there a heart beating still down there? Well, barely. Yeah, barely. Yeah, alive. <laughs> Broke. I'd say stranded he probably won't even make he's got a buffer day in between so, so he's and coming then he can bring today, it back right? to the office yeah he's coming back so we today won't we won't see him till or he was Wednesday, supposed to come back today i think or tuesday i don't know when we see him yeah. when is he in the office afternoon. brett might know tuesday. So nobody knows Wednesday. that's it so he's got a buffer day in between so he should roll in
1: we'd think all right. Well, we've got three your stock our takes. You got nothing else to say, you two? Yeah, I have something else to say. I'm still waiting for my Keystone mug. Yeah, I'm we're thinking we're about getting a Keystone. That's mug, one
0: thing we're looking we're into awesome. some swag. We'll
1: have some get Keystone get mugs and we'll give some
0: away. We'll give some away to the best your stock our take. We'll send those off to people. So just mm-hmm. to let you know, that's what's coming: mugs and nothing else. <laughs> that's
2: it. Well, just you know mugs. what is coming up? Uh, don't you guys have a talk coming oh. up?
0: Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, and you can find this. We'll send this out uh, with the podcast email. Uh, Aaron is going to be speaking at the Money Show. Do you know the times there, Aaron? Do you have a clue? Sometime midday uh, tomorrow, Aaron will be speaking, and and it might be today. It's on Tuesday. The what is that? The twenty eighth. Tuesday the twenty eighth. Aaron will be talking. On Wednesday, the 29th, I'll be talking, go to the Money Show website, or uh, we'll send out in this email, you can sign up to view that, uh, the email that comes out with this podcast, you can sign up to view those presentations, we'll uh, both be doing 30 minute presentations, so talk about our services, talk about a few stocks we uh, like right now as well, so I encourage you, listen to those two um, presentations through the Money Show, you can get the link to those presentations in the link that goes out with this podcast or the email that goes out with this podcast. It'll be in the
2: description as well.
0: It'll be in the right. description. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, uh, go below and you can click on that and uh, sign up, watch those two presentations because you want to see more of our faces, I'm sure. And we'll have Absolutely. some, you know, we'll have some so my, good content My talk, there talk is going
1: to be, they have me down here for 3.55 Eastern time. So 12.55 Pacific. And the title of my presentation is going to be Smart Investing Simplified, Combining Individual Stocks and Indexed ETFs for Profit and Protection. Uh, So definitely tune into that.
0: And I'll be on Wednesday. I'll talk about current market valuations, how there uh, appears to be a mispricing of small to mid-cap companies versus kind of the Magnificent Seven and some of the large caps. So there's an opportunity there, and I'll give you a couple stocks that you can look at uh, to potentially add to your portfolio today. So, uh, take those in and thank God, Brett, remember that because we were just going to go on to our, your stock, our takes, but now we're going to answer some viewer questions. So Aaron, you had a question come in on the bird bird is the word
1: bird is is the word. haven't heard that for a while. Yeah, That's right. So bird construction is the company that I'm going to talk to about here. Um,
0: See, I think this a company, Griffin, actually we for, followed for this for. I
1: believe we actually had coverage on this company uh, years ago so it was uh, it was a, a bit of a, a bit of a trade because we found that there is a lot of volatility in the financial performance at the time but let's see if anything's changed because this would have been over 10 years ago that we had coverage on it so um, bird construction symbol is BDT on the TSX exchange trades at just under twelve dollars per share it's a 640 million-dollar market cap company, and it pays a dividend yield right now of 3.6%. So what they are, they're a leading Canadian construction company. They operate coast-to-coast. Uh, they provide a range of services from new construction for industrial infrastructure and institutional markets to industrial maintenance, repair, and operations. Um, and this includes um, uh, mining. Uh, they're they're in nuclear space, so power generation. Um, so v- diversified construction, company across Canada. And if we look at the share price performance over the past 12 months here, we can see they've had a very nice run. A uh, year ago, they were trading at about uh, $7.25 per share and trading now for eleven ninety. Now, when we extend this um, back to a long-term stock chart, we can see that it's been a very wild ride. For any investors that have been with this company for a significant period of time. So looking back over the last 15 years, the stock hasn't really gone anywhere except for up and down. So it's been very highly volatile. So what has been happening over the last 12 months? uh, And is there something changing with the company that uh, is going to encourage more growth or more sustainable growth in the future? Uh, Let's take a look at the Q3 results. Um, so revenue was $783 million, uh, up 17%. Adjusted EBITDA, just under $50 million, up 58%. Uh, margins increased in the quarter. So EBITDA margin of 6.3% compared to 4.7%. And then adjusted EPS of $0.54, cents, up 86% year over year. And then for the year-to-date numbers, uh, also very impressive. So revenue was just over $2 billion, an increase of nearly 17%. Adjusted EBITDA, $95 million, up 35%. EBITDA margin of 4.7% up from 4.1%. And then adjusted EPS of $0.93, cents, an increase of 63% year over year. And when we look at the management commentary in terms of what was driving this strong performance, uh, revenue growth was primarily organic, but there is also some contributions from recent acquisitions. Uh, with respect to margin expansion, they focused on effective cost management and operational efficiency. They talked about strategic re- repositioning that they've, they've been focused on over the past couple of years. And what this means is shifting into more attractive markets, including the institutional building sector, infrastructure. And industrial construction and services, uh, most notably mining and Canada's nuclear sector. They also have a growing backlog up 20% year year to date and they've talked about significant multi-year recurring revenue coming from the master service agreements which they've signed recently. In terms of outlook going into next year, they're expecting a strong finish to 2023 and potentially even a stronger uh, showing in 2024. Uh, so in terms of the outlook, the management commentary, all of that looks uh, looks very strong. Now, there have been some recent announcements from the company that look very interesting. They've signed a couple of master service agreements um, in September. They, they issued a press release regarding um, industrial recurring master service agreements in Ontario and Alberta. Uh, more recently in November, they talked about growing their institutional nuclear portfolio in Ontario. So uh, some interesting things coming with the company. And one of the things that I'm picking up from reading uh, what management has to say and just their general commentary is that um, with these master service agreements, they're they're able to produce more visible, more stable, um, even recurring uh, revenues going forward. Now, recurring revenues can be defined as many different things. Typically when Uh, When I think of recurring revenues, I think of subscription, software subscriptions. That's typically the most common form of recurring revenue. And of course, it's always good to have visibility in terms of what the revenues are going to be one, two, three years in the future, as opposed to um, highly contract based businesses where, you know, they may sign a couple of really big contracts one year, they finish those contracts, they sign uh, a lower number next year. And you always have this these major shifts up and down in revenues and then earnings so uh, this is something to really pay close attention to because it it does when we talk about their strategic repositioning um and then some of these master service agreements that they've been signing and certainly in some interesting spaces i mean nuclear is all the rage right now um but they uh they they say that they they have an opportunity to bid on over a billion dollars worth of environmental remediation work through um through their their master service agreement in in Ontario. Uh, So this is something that we want to learn a little bit more about uh, going forward. But when we look at the historical performance of the company, you can see what I mean in terms of how volatile it's been. I mean, gross margins have really moved up and down Um, historically. They're right now pretty much at a a historical high with gross profit margins of about 8.5%. Um, but they fluctuated a lot. They were as low as 4.2% in 2018. Um, we've seen we've seen some up and down, and we've seen the same thing, which would be expected, of course, with earnings per share uh, growth, declines, more growth, and then you know potentially in the future more declines, uh, even a year of negative earnings in in 2018. Although most of these years have been have been positive. So one thing that I will point out, a gross margin of 8.5%, even though that's a historical high for the company, that is an extremely low gross margin. Um, you know, this is typical, I think of construction companies, uh, just because there's a lot of overhead. So it's more of a high volume, high revenue, lower margin business. Um, and they are certainly driving significant earnings per share to the bottom line. So that's a, uh, that's a positive, but, um, this, this, this is a low margin business, and that's something that needs to be considered. In terms of the balance sheet, healthy balance sheet, uh, cash of $104 million, debt of $87 million, shareholders equity of $304 million. So they have net cash of about $17 million. Not a huge net cash balance, but it's still a net cash balance. And then debt to equity of about uh, 0.34. So very reasonable debt to equity level there. Uh, And then in terms of valuation and future growth, just looking at some of the analyst consensus estimates out there, uh, analysts are looking at about $1.32 in the current year, um, $1.53 next year. So that would be current year growth of 53% approximately at the midpoint of analyst estimates for this year and then 16% uh, next year and priced earnings multiples of nine times current year's expected earnings and eight times next year's expected earnings. So, um, certainly a lower uh, price to earnings multiple, which we would expect, I mean, Bird is always generally traded at a fairly low multiple, I'd have to look at the historical range. Um, but it's, it's given that it is a low margin business, it has a history of being uh, quite cyclical, you know, we would expect to see, see a lower multiple. So in terms of our take uh, on the positive side, the performance recently has been very strong. We've seen the increase in margins, a growing backlog, a healthy balance sheet. Management's positive about the outlook. The the valuation looks reasonably attractive. And then what's really interesting to me is learning more about these MSAs um, and how they may increase the long term recurring revenue and maybe put Bird in a position where uh, their margins and their revenue growth is a little more stable than what we've seen in the past. Um, On the other side of the equation, on the more negative side, it's a very low margin business. Uh, They do have that historic track record of being very volatile, volatile margins, volatile uh, earnings, um, and and uncertain sustainability of growth. So it looks like we're going to see the company produce very strong growth this year. Likely they're going to produce a strong year next year. But what happens after 2024? Uh, Generally, we like to invest in companies where we have... You know some sense of where the revenues and the earnings per share are trending over a multi-year period, um, but if they're signing a lot of contracts right now and then these contracts expire, or they they complete those contracts and they're not able to um, sign new ones of the same size, we may see continued volatility in the future in financial performance. So that's something to pay a close to pay close attention to. Uh, and then of course, even though we're we're looking at evaluation which is below the market average of eight nine times earnings this stock does tend to trade at a lower uh valuation multiple so we have to factor that in as well however um looking at the company uh we think that the fundamentals are quite positive the strategic repositioning is interesting and may result in better future performance and we do think that it's worth taking a deeper look into bird construction and potentially uh Organizing a call with management so that we can ask them some questions. So this is basically, you know, what I've shown. It's the first stage of the of the research process. This is just really does it pass the initial criteria? Um, are is the financial performance strong? Are there reasons that um, to believe that this? strengthen the financial performance can continue the valuation the balance sheet this is when you do that financial statement analysis and then the next stage is to really dig deeper into what's going on with the business and these contracts and the market to determine how sustainable this performance is going forward so i think that bird certainly passed our initial screening criteria um, and then the next step would be to just uh would just be to dig deeper
0: yeah it's a good summary. We uh, actually, I think Brennan pulled them out in a recent uh, sweep we did when we looked at uh, all Canadian companies and he pulled them out as interesting and one we uh, might want to, you know, go and interview management. And historically too, um, I don't have a historical 10-year PE, uh, but on an EV to EBITDA basis, I think the average over the past 10 years is 9.61 and it's and current EV to EBITDA on BIRD is 5.8. So it's lower, significantly lower than it's, um 10-year average although like aaron said the business has been cyclical over time so um you know there is some but that i mean that's a
1: good sign right because if it's if it's you know the market is known that that volatility has existed so if it's trading at a discount now um to where it's been in the past you know in spite of there possibly being some good arguments that performance will be more stable and better in the future. Then that's, that's a good sign. Now, one thing I would also, or is the market saying we think it won't be, you know, that's the 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 thing or does the market not know the market doesn't always get it. You want to like, like, you you have the average, but you know, what's the, Mm -hmm. what's the variance there as well. Right. I mean, if it, if it, if it fluctuates between, you know, three times and 10 times EBITDA, that's, that's also important to, to understand. So. But uh, yeah, it's certainly worth it, worth a closer look, yeah for sure, and uh, I think we will reach out
0: to management and uh, have a call with them and then we'll see if we can get anything more from them uh, that uh, really confirms whether or not we think this is a more sustainable uh you know growth trajectory for the business going forward because it certainly is trading at relatively low valuations and Aaron did a good job of summarizing that now, I'm going to look at real matters, real matters. R-E-A-L, very simple on the TSX, trades at about $5.35, $390 million market cap. So it's a small cap in Canada. Real matters. The company provides network management solutions to North American lenders and insurers. Its platform leverages independent field agents to deliver appraisals and title and closing services. Uh, The stock uh, it, it's been flat relative for the year, but it has lost 84% of its value uh, post-pandemic, from highs in the $33 range. The Q4 results, its fiscal year 2023 results as well. Net revenues dropped 22% to 11.2 million from 14.4, and for the year, dropped 50% to 43 million from 85.4 million. Adjusted EBITDA was positive at 600000 for the quarter from a loss of 1.1 million in the same period last year Q4 2022 the company reported net income of 1 cent on an adjusted basis for the Q4 and a loss of 3 cents on an adjusted basis for the year on a positive note real does have a good balance sheet and exited Q4 of its fiscal year with a net cash position of 42.3 million that's about 80 cents per share Uh, The valuations. Well, on a forward-looking EV to EBITDA basis, the company is uh, essentially trading around 50 times EV to EBITDA. Now, this would be based on some optimistic estimates that I saw out there. Our take real matters is is operating in a difficult environment at present. Over the company's recently reported fiscal 2023, US mortgage origination volumes were the lowest On record in the last 28 years. Mortgage applications, for example, in October 2023 were the lowest since May 1995. It's estimated that for the first three quarters this year, 2023, mortgage originations in the US were down about 30% relative to the same period a year ago. Suffice it to say, this is not good for Real's current business. Real posted a tremendous growth trajectory. From 2014, when its revenues were about 128.1 million, uh, to 2021, when they peaked at 638.6 million, this was during historically low rate environment. As rates have risen, consolidated revenues have dropped from that 638 million dollar peak in 2021 to 222.6 million in fiscal year 2023, just reported. Uh, While market volumes appear to be Closing in on a trough, we do not have visibility on a sustained shift in the macro backdrop whereby interest rates fall and mortgage spreads begin to normalize. Current valuations are not cheap and appear to imply that a midterm recovery is already priced into the stock. Whether it has hit rock bottom or not, it's tough to estimate. What we do know is that there are plenty more companies in our coverage at present with lower valuations and better near-term to mid-term growth certainty than real, we would pass on this company at present.
1: That's all I got on that. Yeah, and so this is this is the situation where you know when you're looking at a company that is that is in decline, like a maybe a, a short-term decline, you, you want to be compensated for that as, extra risk um, by being able to pay a lower valuation. I mean, that's where your margin of safety is. So when you're You know, the company has seen challenging financial times, but it's still trading at a big premium. And that's not that's not a combination. That
0: No, no. And it it offers residential mortgage appraisals for purchase and refinance. And and in some of the refinance areas in the US, you haven't had to do uh, some of the home inspections and the uh, the title searches that you had in the past. So they've kind of eased those regulations. There is not only a general macro uh, downturn that they're facing, but there are some regulatory changes that have hit the company as well, as far as I understand. So, you know, from on a forward-looking basis, even based on, you know, relatively optimistic estimates for them to have somewhat of a recovery in the second half of next year, it's still trading at 15 times, EV or 50, 50, sorry, 50 times EV to EBITDA off those estimates. Uh, I don't think that, you know you're being compensated for the risk that is in here right now, and I, I think that, uh, I think that you know, th- I think that this company is relatively well run. They have a good balance sheet, but um, there are, like we said, your capital is always fighting for a place to go to. If we can see another business that trades at low valuations that has growth ahead of it that we can forecast with a higher degree of certainty, there's less certainty here. We'll put our dollars there. And not that this is the worst company on the planet or anything like that. Uh, it's just not where we would be putting our dollars right now with any certainty.
2: They actually have a really good uh, chart in their MDNA for uh, really showing the macro situation in the US housing market, which I'll put up on screen. Yeah, and yeah, you can excellent. see in that 2020, 2021 era, era during the COVID years when we had uh, super low interest rates. And if you're a Canadian listening to this, the U.S. standard mortgage is a 30-year fixed mortgage. So unlike ours, where it's normally a five-year, even the average is less now, fixed rate, and then you'll have a 30-year amortization. There's this fixed the entire time. So you can see the U.S. really refinanced. So you had all these refinancing originations. During that super low interest rate, because everyone wants to lock in that one and a half, two 2%. Yeah. Incredible
0: boom for yeah. business. For them. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And now you've seen that just drop off. So you can see in this graph that it just, the refinancings effectively have disappeared because you haven't seen these interest rates in 20 years.
0: Yeah. Who wants to refinance right now? <laughs> like it, mm-hmm. it, exactly. It, it, yeah. It's, it's. It doesn't, it's the environment right now is not good for the business. So we'll, we'll, we'll not be putting our dollars at present towards real, you know, we'll watch the company. There's likely a time when that switches and, and, you know, there could be an investment opportunity, but it's certainly not at this price and based on forward estimates near term, it doesn't meet our criteria. All right. We're going to switch off to Brett. He's going to share his screen and he's going to talk about Goodfellow.
2: Yeah. All right. So Goodfellow, symbol GDL on the TSX, is a diversified manufacturer of value-added lumber products as well. It is a wholesaler of building materials and floor coverings. Goodfellow has a distribution footprint from coast to coast in Canada, servicing commercial and residential sectors through lumberyard, retail and networks, manufacturers, industrial infrastructure part- project partners, and floor covering specialists. Goodfellow also leverages its value-added product capabilities to serve lumber markets internationally. The stock is trading up 9% year-to-date at the current value of seven fifteen dollars a share at a market cap of $121 million, paying a strong dividend yield of 7%. For fiscal Q3 2023, the company's sales fell by 17%, however, to a 139 million. And for the year to date, sales fell 19.6% to 387 million. This really illustrates the shift in the lumber demand over the past year, as the post-COVID boom saw significant demand surge resulting in many, many purchasers just overstocking on their inventory. And now that we now are seeing more normalized demand, they have to work off this excess inventory. Before uh, ultimately purchasing more lumber from Goodfellow, so it impacts their sales. Gross margin has remained relatively constant, though. It's at 22.7% for the quarter compared to 22.6% in the prior year, resulting, however, since the sales dropped, in a gross profit falling by 16.5% to $31.6 million. As well, SG&A remained materially flat. So as gross profit fell, we can see the negative side of having a heavily operationally leveraged Company in any distribution, you really see this resulting in a significant decrease uh, year over year uh, for net income to only six point two million down from ten point six million or seventy-two cents from a dollar twenty-four on a per share basis. As well, the year-to-date EPS fell by even more by fifty-five point four percent to dollar forty-seven from three dollars and thirty cents a share. As well, due to the construction seasonality, good fellow is as well seasonal. So Q2, Q3 are normally the strong quarter. So we've really seen the year play out before the fourth quarter. You'll normally see quite a bit lower and we'll actually see that in a couple slides coming up. So we can look at the 20 year quarterly earnings chart. We can see that EPS in recent years has just been significantly higher than historic norms. We can see the previous 20 years, it's roughly hitting the same levels for both EPS and sales. But then in that 2020, 2021, and a bit into 2022, the sales were just dramatically higher, which led to higher EPS. But you can also see that the percentage change in sales isn't very significant year over year, even quarter over quarter. But then it really trickles down into that EPS. So that change in sales just ultimately becomes the change in EPS. But when you're looking at the earnings per share versus the revenue per share, those small changes add up a lot quicker. As well, you can notice in this long-term graph that besides that 2020, 2021 period, they had really no growth the entire time. So moving to the balance sheet quickly, the company holds uh, cash of 8 million with the only debt being leases of 13.7 million resulting in a net debt and leases of 5.8 million. This is after they have paid off bank debt of 31.6 million over the past year, which is good to see with distributors in nearly any business margins are so small that it can just quickly eat away at any profitability, especially with interest rates being where they are. As well, added on top, they are cyclical. So if you have a downswing with rising interest rates, it can just completely deteriorate the company's performance, and it's good to see that they got the debt off their balance sheet. Now switching to valuations. Goodfellow is trading at a trailing PE of seven times, which is well below their 10-year average of 10 times, which may just seem appealing as the company is below that average. However, you do need to remember if lumber demand specifically related to like single-family homes, which they're called out in their md and if that continues to decrease, you could see further earnings decline, which could, would ultimately result in a higher PE trending towards or perhaps even above that average. So even though it does appear low, it may not be when you're looking forward. However, you probably aren't really looking at Goodfellow at the time for capital returns, given its historic price performance, you are probably looking at that 7% yield. The company at its current earnings has good give, dividend coverage, about 50% in their earnings over the past year, but that can quickly change due to what I've mentioned above. We can see with their d- historic dividend payments that they're not consistent at all. They'll continuously raise and cut as they see fit, as well as they, at times, it will issue special dividends during certain uprises and quarters, as well as only a semi-annual dividend normally. And then they also occasionally do special dividends but you can see in 2018 during that period when the demand or their earnings were very low they cut their dividend completely and now we're really at an all-time high dividend but that being said they have not they just this last quarter declared another 50 cent dividend, so they haven't cut it yet or decreased it yet but that is something you would need to watch going forward especially given their history so our take although the company does appear cheap with a high yield the dividend really isn't safe by any means given their historic tendency and the earnings uh, cyclicality. The valuation would likely come as well, up as well if earnings were to drop. And that does seem to be where we're heading towards given the industry. They're really uh, and the end result of their industry. They can't really do too much to really move that lever. So they really have to take what the industry gives them. And it's the cyclical and seasonal industry as well. You cannot really expect growth from the company, given its historic growth. But I will say their balance sheet is a lot better. So perhaps they could acquire something. If there was a substantial decrease, you would see some cheap valuations for acquisition targets. And they could take on some debt at that time to produce non-organic growth. But I wouldn't be counting on that organic growth. So overall, I would just really pass on the company for now. There just isn't really a point to put your money in with the risks at hand. As well, given you would most likely be a dividend investor for this company, and the dividend is not really secure, given its historic tendencies. So, I'll open up to you guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that you sum that up um, perfectly. Really, it's it's you're you're investing in the company really for the the dividend income, but the dividend income is not. I mean, you know that dividend can be cut quite quickly, um, and that seems to be you know the the somewhat the expectation or should be based on the historic performance of the company. Right. So yeah, right now they have good coverage, but earnings were down what 50%. I mean, with that type of volatility in earnings, mm-hmm. you, you don't know what the coverage is going to be starting next quarter.
0: Yeah. And the, on the lack of growth you point out there, I mean, they had a huge uptick in earnings per share essentially, but the, the revenue profile didn't really increase w- well above their historic, uh, you know, peak uh, their peak multiple that they hit, or their peak uh, figures that they're hitting, essentially. So, really, it's um, for me. It may look like a bit of a value trap if you're looking at uh, where they are right now. And, and if if earnings come down, then you know suddenly you don't even support the current price. It's up year to date this year with declining earnings, which is strange in this market. I know they've done a great job paying off debt. I mean, that's something that's you know likely high price debt or, or probably variable debt, which is a good thing in this market. And maybe like Brett said, maybe there is uh, an avenue to make acquisitions, but it doesn't look like a lot of organic growth, which is the growth that we would prefer to at least have in a business. And uh, the valuations probably get more expensive um, as their earnings decline over the course of this year. Plus they're facing an uncertain market. So uh, I'd kind of watch out near term for mid midterm for with Goodfellow. All right. I think that's going to close off the show this week. Uh, Keep your questions coming in for your stock, our take segment. Also, again, if you want to watch those presentations, uh, the money show, you can just, if if you got this via email, you'll have a link in the email to get to those presentations. Sign up to watch those, myself and Aaron. Aaron's on Tuesday, the 28th. Mine is on Wednesday, the 29th. Uh, and you also, if you're viewing this on YouTube, you can just see in the uh, below the video, you can see essentially it's uh, the uh, link should be there. All right. Keep those questions coming in and your stock, art take smash that subscribe button. And if you're viewing this on uh, on iTunes, uh I'll only give us positive reviews. That's what we're looking for. As always, profitable investing. I wish you thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you.